Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Welcome back to the Iliad. When we last left our heroes, the Trojans were camped out on the plain to keep the Greeks from gaining back any of the ground lost during the day. Book 9 opens on the Greek side. Agamemnon is feeling concerned. Things just don't seem to be going that well. He calls a council of the Greek leaders and tells them that it might just be time for them to cut and run. Everyone stares at him in silence. Diomedes eventually speaks up and says that Agamemnon can do whatever he wants, but he's going to see the fight through to the end. The rest of the Greeks shout their agreement. Nestor then steps forward and shares his agreement with Diomedes and proposes that it is time to eat and that the leaders will hold a council on how to move forward with tomorrow's battle. The men go off to eat and the leaders assemble. Agamemnon finally admits that maybe he made a mistake back in book one. As a solution, he proposes some gifts for Achilles. There are a whole bunch of things, and a whole bunch of women, including Briseis, whom Agamemnon swears he never lay with as is natural for men and women. So nice. Oh, and he'll let Achilles have his pick of the war spoils, as much gold and bronze as will fit in his ship, and 20 of the Trojan women. First pick. I mean, this is a great deal, isn't it? Oh, and he can have any of Agamemnon's daughters for his wife. No bride price required. And with a dowry. Oh, you've never seen a dowry like the one Agamemnon will give. And not one citadel, but seven. Seven! There's no way Achilles can pass this up. Nestor recommends this offer be taken to Achilles by three ambassadors, Phoenix, Odysseus, and Big Ajax. They all say a prayer to Zeus and then set off. Now, the section confuses me slightly because it keeps talking about the two, even though they're clearly three ambassadors. At any rate, the three ambassadors walk over to where Achilles and the Ant-Men I mean, Myrmidons, are camped out. They find Achilles happily strumming his lyre and singing a song, and Patroclus waiting for it to be over. You do have to wonder how good of a singer Achilles is. However good or bad he is, he stops singing, and both men rise when they see the ambassadors. Achilles greets them with a lovely, I'm so happy to see you even though I'm still mad at you, before asking Patroclus to pour the wine. Patroclus one-ups him by not only pouring the wine, but throwing some meat on the fire. They must sit in silence for a while because the next thing mentioned is them eating the meat and watching the fire burn down to embers. The cooking process is described sounds like some nice, low and slow barbecue. I imagine them all staring at each other and occasionally nodding while they wait. But eventually it is ready, and after they eat and drink, they finally start talking again. And in another fine example of orality, Odysseus repeats what Agamemnon said earlier, listing off everything Agamemnon is offering to convince Achilles to return. There's stuff and slaves for, you know, whatever, and a wife for free and cities. And Achilles says, eh, no thanks. He tells them how he has been granted two possible fates. Fight and die gloriously at Troy, or don't fight and live a long and unremembered life. He's currently leaning towards the latter. So much so that he's told his men that they're going to go back to Greece. Oh, and Phoenix is welcome to join him. But the long and the short of it is that he's still mad at Agamemnon, and I quote, I hate his gifts. The ambassadors stare at him. 
Phoenix eventually speaks up and begs Achilles to stay. He gives a lengthy autobiography all about how they have known each other for so many years, why Phoenix used to bounce Achilles on his knee, little Achilles used to spit up on Phoenix. The speech is one step from, I used to change your diapers. He waxes allegorical and speaks of how even the gods are moved by prayer. And then he tells the story of Meliagros and how his petulance nearly led to the destruction of his city and how he waited so long to fight that no one was willing to give him any sort of rewards. Achilles is not swayed by this speech. Instead, he berates Phoenix for being on Agamemnon's side instead of his own. He tells the old man that he should stay and let Big Ajax and Odysseus go back to Agamemnon. Patroclus makes a bed for Phoenix. Big Ajax tells Odysseus that it's probably time for them to just go because Achilles over there is too stubborn and proud to remember who his real friends are. Achilles relents, slightly. He won't leave as originally planned, but he still won't fight. Odysseus and Big Ajax go back to their own ships, and Phoenix, as requested, stays and sleeps on the cot set up for him under Patroclus's supervision. Achilles and Patroclus and two of their female slaves go inside the tent to sleep. Upon returning, Odysseus breaks the bad news to Agamemnon. Achilles has refused the bribe, I mean gifts, and will not fight. But Diomedes counsels that the Greeks should remain unbothered by this development. Achilles will rejoin the battle when he is good and ready. There is no sense in fretting over something they can't control. They pour out libations to the gods and go to bed. And that is the end of Book 9, and good time for a quick break. Apparently, Achilles is still a character in this epic. We haven't seen him in a couple hundred pages, but he is back and still whining about how Agamemnon has treated him. He seems to be very happy doing so. When we meet him, he is happily singing a song, and I like to imagine that he isn't a very good singer and that dear sweet Patroclus is sitting there with a forced grin on his face because he doesn't want to hurt his friend's feelings by asking him to stop. But that is 100% me projecting because Achilles is... Achilles. His actions are very interesting in this book. He talks a big game, but then he rejects the heroic code. Agamemnon offers stuff, slaves, a wife, and cities, and Achilles says thanks, but no thanks. The heroic code says that Achilles should accept the stuff, slaves, wife, and cities, and go and fight, but he doesn't. At least not in this book, 2,500-year-old spoiler alert. And it is interesting that he, at least for the moment, has opted for the fate that will mean a long but unremembered life. We, the readers or listeners, know that this is not going to be his fate. After all, we remember him. Achilles is a named character in this tale. We know that he is going to fight for the same reason that we know that he is not going to have a long life. We know his name. As we continue to read battles, this is something to keep in mind. There are characters that are the equivalent of Star Trek red shirts. They appear long enough to die, but they appear. Their names are said. They have followed the heroic code well enough to be memorialized. We may know little about their lives, but we remember them. This is what Achilles has just rejected. And that's just not the way a good Greek man was supposed to behave. 
There are a few other things that I thought of to talk about, and you can find them in the discussion prompts on the blog. As always, the link to the post for this episode is in the show notes. Come and share your thoughts about Phoenix, Achilles, and everyone else in Book 9. On Friday, we'll go over Hesiod's Shield of Heracles. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.